Well, hey everybody and a very big welcome. Isn't it awesome that we can worship from wherever we are in the world? Now, I know you've just probably joined us and just enjoyed that incredible music, incredible worship of the Most High God. It's awesome that our God is so individual, He's so specific, and yet He's so global and universal at the same time. He can take care of such incredible divine issues like redemption and eternity and at the same time be so intimately involved in the detail of your circumstance and your issues. God is an incredible God and He is well worth worshipping. So thank you so very much for joining us from wherever you are in the world here at Victory Life Church Online. Isn't it awesome to be able to worship God together? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so very much that you are who you say you are, that you are the Most High God, and that everything you do is honorable and true and full of love and grace, mercy, divine justice and divine power is there too, but all in balance. Father, thank you that you are the God that we can come and worship through Jesus Christ and have an intimate relationship with. We honor you and we thank you for all that you are in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Well, we were going to be a little bit more out and about this week as we came together from all over the world. We've been discussing the scripture in Romans, uh, the consequences of sin and uh, what it means when God says, hey, there's consequences to sin. Um, not that we're trying to get down on ourselves because that scripture in Romans we're going to discuss a few moments later, in a few moments is a scripture that tells us that there's consequences of being obedient and there's consequences of a life with Jesus Christ and that is life and life in abundance. So we are just blessed that um, we can be together and discuss this Bible verse. We, we, we've had some rain in the area so we were going to be out in some of the, the more famous parks and, and get a little bit more out and about than we uh, are doing right now. You're out and about a little bit more than usual in that we are here in the lobby of our Boswell location. Just to my right is the entrance to uh, a wonderful sanctuary. Up the stairs to my left is um, the Sunday school, the kids' church, where my wife Leanne gets super busy uh, most Wednesdays and Thursday and Sundays uh, in looking after that. And then just at the base of the stairs to my left is, um, is the entrance to our uh, fellowship and, uh, and youth environment wonderful facility that we have here serving a town in Boswell of about 600 to 650 people uh, it's a small town um, most weekends we get about 150 to 180 people uh, through the building um, and so in a small town our town to Victory Life Church attender ratio is pretty high uh, in fact in a larger city we would be busting at the seams if the same percentage applied so we're really blessed to be able to serve here and be here uh, and here in the lobby of the Boswell location and it's just awesome that we can come together here at Victory Life Church online. If I haven't already met you, my name is Pastor Craig and uh, we've shifted a little bit in our midweek environment and that we like to make it a little bit more dialogue, a little bit more conversation. Um, so I preach um, from uh, a lot from my, my journal. Um, this is not going to be a, uh, a ready pristine, well-organized message that uh, we, the kind that we get from, from Brother Duane on the weekend. No, this is just, hey, us coming together uh, in midweek and just chatting through some, some verses, chatting through some concepts. And hey, you get to have your voice. If you'd like to ask a question, disagree with me, give me a shout out and say, Craig, what you're preaching is kind of off the wall. What's going on? Uh, please feel free to do that in our Facebook groups. 
Uh, you can meet, uh, meet us all there and get hold of me there. Alternatively, you can chat in the chat room, ask one of the hosts some questions. Um, hopefully the, the hosts are, uh, are kind of, have got to know me well enough to know my sense of humor and uh, sometimes how I can go in different directions and just uh, process the scripture. Absolutely love, personally, absolutely love the revelation of scripture into my life. Uh, the revelation of scripture is, is an incredible part of, of how we grow as people because uh, the only place that we can find any form of divine understanding, any form of divine direction from anything that is superior to ourselves um, is in the scriptures. Now you might be saying, what about other books? What about the Quran? And what about those other things? Hey, people have found some direction in them, but nobody has ever found divine direction in any other book other than the Bible. The Bible seems to have the heart of God behind it, a living God and a God that can radically change your life. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just sit there at home going, oh, that's just a Christian preacher rambling on about who, how good his Bible is. No, I know the Bible's good because I've experienced it in my life. Why don't you just take 30 days and go and immerse yourself in the Bible and see if what I'm saying to you is genuinely true. While we're talking about Bibles, it's pretty cool that the online campus has been so intimately involved in a massive project undertaking in uh, Kampala, Uganda. Uh, pastor Gavin, one of the other pastors around here at Victory Life Church Online, and also the pastor over our Victory Life Academy, a school that we have, um, is, uh, is out and about in Kampala at the moment. And he's been sending back some videos and some pictures and some things that we've, we've uh, helped them accomplish. How do we help them accomplish it? Well, at our annual celebration at Jubilee, I was blessed to meet Pastor Emma from Kampala, Uganda. And uh, he introduced us to the need that the church leaders um, in Uganda have as regards their Bibles. Pastors can't get to keep a Bible for a long time because it gets so damaged. Uh, the conditions they live in are pretty robust uh, and, and, uh, and it's pretty harsh. And so they often find themselves without a Bible. Well, we managed to find Bibles that we could manufacture and produce locally in Uganda in their local language and were also kind of waterproof covers that were a little bit more stronger to be able to um, withstand the, the, the difficult conditions that some of these campus pastors um, have to endure. So we met up in Jubilee, heard about the need, realized that we needed to raise $10,000. We haven't raised that money yet. Um, but what we have been doing is uh, we've been stepping out in faith. We took $10,000 out of the Victory Life Church uh, online account and we said, hey, instead of using this to do something else with that we needed in some strategy or some equipment or some other priorities or development of the platform, we decided that what we're going to do is we're going to give that money and buy those thousand Bibles for those thousand leaders. They're currently distributing them in Kampala, Uganda. If you haven't seen some of the photographs, jump on our Facebook group. And uh, we are just blessed that as we sow in faith, God will bring that back and restore, not what the locusts have taken, because that's a blessing, but He's going to supernaturally extend our finances so that we can cover more and more projects like this and be more and more involved in doing church from wherever we are in the world. You may never ever go to Kampala, but you can certainly sow a seed there by helping us distribute those Bibles uh, financially. So thank you so much for those of you who already participated. If you are clicking on the Give button right now, as you decide, hey, I'd like to give to that project. Hey, if you are coming along to give in your, uh, in your tithes and your offerings, in your normal capacity of giving, please feel free to click on that same Give link button. When you give online, there's two options. 
Um, the option to give your normal tithes and offerings is our standard giving option. But then there's also the Serve Project um, and the Compiler Bible Project is coming completely out of that Serve Project at the moment. So you can give into that just so that we know what you intended your giving for. Thank you so much for those of you who support the Victory Life Church Online family and the projects around the world that we are impacting now. And hey, we can be part of that from wherever we are in the world. Super excited about that Bible project. There's so much going on when it comes to life that sometimes we get caught up uh, being alone, even though we've got a busyness around us, even though we might go to the office, even though we might have family around us, even though we might have some great friends, we find ourselves lonely. And I speak to uh, the online audience because I know that it's very easy, even now with church coming to you online, for you to cave in to your, your, your place where you reside, just get in there and just start being a loner, start being somebody that lives alone. Reaching out, maybe having a relationship, but not many meaningful relationships. Well, here at Victory Life Church Online, we don't want to replace that kind of relationship. We don't want to replace that kind of uh, fellowship. But we do want to excite you. We do want to incite you to love and find works. And uh, we just wanted to reach out to you today and say, hey, even though you might be sitting consuming this message alone, you are not alone. You can be part of a group of people that genuinely wants to do life with you. Around here at Victory Life Church, we call those groups Life Churches, and we're currently going through the next semester of launches. Now, the reason we do life groups like this in semesters is it means that if you get involved in a group and it's just for a set time, uh, and you want to get involved with another group at another time, there's some breaks between our semesters, and you can find groups and find relationship rather than just finding a group. Um, that's more important to us, that you find relationship more than just finding a group. So, hey, why don't you click on the links right now and find out if there's a life group near you. If there's not, hey, maybe you're thinking about leading a life group. How do you do life group online? We've got solutions. We can help you get that done uh, through Facebook and through other platforms. We've got some, some great life groups that have been running for a little while already, all utilizing online and digital methodologies. And it really does work. Uh, some of our closest friends uh, that we really have meaningful relationship with uh, as a couple, Leanne and I, we've, we don't see. We don't ever see face to face. But man, they're part of our lives and we just absolutely love, love, love them. So thank you for being part of life groups this semester. Thank you for those of you who already put up your hand and said, hey, you'd like to lead a life group. It's awesome that we can do life together. Hey, we can be encouraging one another to help make the right decisions through life. And so that's really what I wanted to pick up on. Remember last week we were in the coffee shop very quickly becoming one of my favorite coffee shops, actually. If you're ever in the Calera Durant location, hey, uh, look, look me up and I'll point you in the direction of some great coffee shops that happen to be around here. I'm really excited about the coffee culture that seems to be developing in Oklahoma. And so um, last week we were in that coffee shop and uh, we just had some fun time unpacking, hey, what does it mean to really sin? If uh, Romans 8 tells us that the consequences of sin is death, well then we better make sure that we know what sin is and what those consequences are. Sorry, my bad. Romans 6, not Romans 8. And so we read that scripture in Romans chapter 6, 23. It says, For the consequences of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And, and I'm just really excited about the fact that there's two options here. The first is death. The consequences of sin is death. But the free gift, the free gift, the consequences, that word consequences of sin is very onerous, but the word free gift is light and enjoyable and full of joy. 
I don't know about you, but I like getting free gifts. The free gift of God is eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I often wondered, why did it say free gift? Aren't all gifts free? Well, you know what it's like. In this world, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, Satan, the devil, makes you think he's giving you gifts, but there's always an attachment. There's always a clause. There's always fine print. But with Jesus, the gift of life has no, absolutely no catch clauses or fine print. What he says you need to do, he means for you to do. And the consequences of what he asks you to do are true and will be there. And it's amazing that Jesus Christ and God and the Holy Spirit are in the business of making it simple for us to worship and serve Him. And when we started unpacking last week that process of what is sin, we kind of came to the conclusion, and I wanted to wrestle with this a little bit more. So if you were like me, we didn't, I didn't quite get that last week as I was kind of going through that scripture. And I hope I didn't communicate that I had full understanding of the scripture. I hope that you really are enjoying just wrestling through scripture with us. But the, the, the concept here of Genesis chapter 2, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 6, is that, hey, there's a consequence to sin, and that sin is death. So then, surely, if I don't want to die, I need to know what sin is and what those consequences of having sin are in my life so that if I'm seeing some of those signs and symptoms, I can quickly find out, well, hey, where am I sinning? Because I don't want to be on a trajectory towards death and unbeknownst to me, think I'm doing right, think I'm doing good things, but I'm not kind of having the impact in life that I'd really like to have. So when we have a look at that scripture, we kind of came up with a thought process that sin is doing anything that distances you from God. Because sin is actually the consequence of being away from the life giver. In Genesis, God said, as soon as you add yourself into the equation, you're going to distance yourself from me and you're going to find yourself slowly but surely deteriorating inside. And we saw that almost immediately. Before Satan introduced the concept of selfishness to Adam and Eve, they were oblivious to this thought process wrestle of humankind that we understand today. That thought process between good and evil is an ever-present conversation that we're having all the time. It's, it's always happening in our minds. And so God said that as soon as you approach worship as soon as you approach spirituality as soon as you approach your purpose as soon as you approach anything of the heart with yourself in mind you're going to distance yourself from me because you're going to put yourself between me and the life that i would like you to have which is a good one and we so often do that how many times have you heard that expression that you kind of just you're tripping over yourself you're shooting yourself in the foot and it's so true. We, we get to appreciate or we get to try and journey through life. And as soon as we put our selfish self into a decision-making process that we should be turning over to God, we begin wrestling with this concept of, did I do right? Did I do wrong? Did I make the right decision? Did I do the wrong decision? Whereas when we take decisions with God, they can never be wrong or right. They can only be good. And that's what Adam and Eve enjoyed before the fall. They enjoyed this relationship with God, which was so awesome that they didn't need to worry whether or not their decision was wrong or right. In fact, God said, hey, there's two trees that I need you to focus on. The one, you can know it's there, but don't go down that road. Don't go down the road of worrying about what's right and what's wrong. Go down the road 
of enjoying the fruit of life in your life. Now, whether or not some theologians believe that those trees were just illustrations, they weren't real trees, whether there was a real fruit or a real tree is irrespective. I know that Jesus came and taught me using a whole bunch of illustrations when he was on the earth. And I know that he was the word and was existing in Eden and was probably being used to teach Adam and Eve about life. And I know that if it was an illustration, it was a very good illustration. There's two choices that are set aside right now. Fundamentally, life, the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Later on in Deuteronomy, God proposes that same proposal to his people. He says, today I give you this option of life and death. He doesn't say life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but he does say, I give you life and death. And if God is the same at all times, then what I do know is God says in Genesis, when he said about eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when he said that, he said, hey, if you eat of it, you will positively die. So fundamentally, we could look at those two trees and say, hey, the fruit of the one brings life and the fruit of the other brings death. So the option that he gave Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden was almost exactly the same as the option that he gives us in Deuteronomy and is exactly the same as the option he gives us in, in Romans chapter 6. I give you the consequences of sin, which is death, or I give you life, which is Christ. New Testament options would have to include Jesus. But the options in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11 to 19, and it's a long scripture and I've already been talking a lot today, the, the, the scripture there ends off with that scripture that says, Hey, I give you the option. Today, says the Lord, I call the heavens and the earth, verse 19 of Deuteronomy chapter 30, as a witness against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. So what God was saying to me in that scripture is, Hey, there's an option. There's a tree of life. And there's a tree of good and evil, which is going to lose to, lose to death. So I got thinking, hey, how does the knowledge of good and evil always have to leave, lead to death? In a courtroom, when you're being sentenced, the, the, the jury and the judge want to see that you have a knowledge of what is wrong and what is right, so they can see and judge your degree of remorse. But when we think about it, the stress of constantly arguing in our mind, and I hope I'm not the only schizophrenic freak here that has conversations in his head, little devil on his one shoulder, little angel on the other. Can you imagine living a life where you don't have to worry all the time whether or not what you're doing is wrong or right? That decision I took about where to invest my money, I hope it works out. Whether I married the right person, the wrong person, hey, what are we going to send our children? Are we going to be homeschooling? Are we going to be there? whatever? There's so much going on in our minds all the time. Not just what is sin and what is not sin. No, but we've got this, this bickering in our head, this tension in our mind all the time that what we're doing is wrong or right, good or bad, beneficial or detrimental, healthy or unhealthy, stressful or stress-free. All the time, we've got this conversation going on in our minds. And God said, if you take part of that conversation, if you go down that road of being your adjudicator in your own life of what is wrong and what is right, you are going to get so stressed out, so shamed out, so guilted out, so completely ashamed of who you are, that, hey, you're going to end up dying and shriveling up inside. 
stresses me out so much that, man, life is difficult. And we kind of sit around going, man, I just wish Jesus would come so I can die and be with Him. You see, this process of participating in the knowledge of good and evil wasn't how humankind was designed to be interacting with God. God presented good to humankind. Everything in it was good. He looked at His creation in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, and it said, uh, chapter 2, and He said, it is very good. He wasn't talking about how beautifully the green leaves contrast the beautiful blue skies and how the water was shimmering perfect. No, no, no. He was looking at the spiritual condition that he created. God is a spirit. He was looking at the spiritual condition he created. And when he just created the environment, it was good. But when he's put a spiritual force in that environment in the form of man, by breathing his spirit into man, he put a spiritual force into the good environment and it became very good. The spiritual environment that man was in, the condition and relationship that man had with God, in God's eyes, was very good. And so he created this environment which was goodness itself. It wasn't just kind of good. In God's perfect standards, it went beyond being good. Wow. It wasn't just how beautiful Eden was. No, let me tell you something. If I could unplug the part of my brain that dictated to me all the time that I have to have this conversation about what's wrong and right and good, and if I could just unplug that tension and that stress and also all the disappointment about making the wrong decisions because it ended up bad and not as good as I intended and I'm so ashamed and I shouldn't put my face... Oh, no, what's going on? All the shame, guilt, condemnation, conversation, stress, tension. Where should I go? What should I do? What church should I attend? Who should I marry? Oh, my word, I made a mistake. It's all... Can you, can you imagine just unplugging all of that for a moment and being in a spiritual condition with God that if I went left or right, it was good. If I went backwards or forwards, it was good. Whether I named the animal cat or dog, it was good. Whatever I did in my life, I didn't have to wrestle with what was wrong and what was right. I could just participate in the life that God had given me, which was good and abundant. I wouldn't have to worry so much. I wouldn't have to be so ashamed. I wouldn't have to be so worried about whether or not I was good enough for God or good enough for my family or good enough to exist. I wouldn't be worried about decisions I was taking. No, I could just take them and be in God's proximity in this good space and know that whatever He told me to do, whatever conversations we had, whatever decisions we took together would be good. And then I began to realize that's why God said the tree of the knowledge of good and evil would result in death. It wasn't a physical death. It was an emotional death that would end up with man hiding behind a bush, cringing in the presence of goodness itself, being ashamed, thinking that I'm too bad to be in that awesome, perfect state of being in that goodness of God. And God knew that. God knew that you didn't, weren't designed to exist outside of all goodness. 
You weren't designed to have to decide when to plant crops, when not to plant crops, when to do this, when to... He, he, he knew that you were designed to make decisions in this bubble of goodness where all things resulted for good. God works for the good in all things. That's because where we are in proximity with God, there is only goodness. We don't have to worry about, am I this or am I that? We can just be quiet, be still, be at peace and know that that leads to the tree and the fruit of the tree of life is through Jesus Christ is a life in abundance. But this constant worry, this constant stress, Satan knew that the moment he got Adam and Eve to put themselves, their own selfish person, in the bubble with God, that it would ensure that they would be withdrawn in proximity. The proximity that Adam and Eve enjoyed with God was severed not by the sin, not by God putting them out of the garden, but by themselves inserting their selfish self between the goodness of God and their own desires. They worshipped God and the goodness of God and as a result received the goodness and their desires. As soon as they placed themselves between that worship equation and got in the way of that worship equation, they began distancing themselves from God. As soon as we distance ourselves from God, that is sin. The consequences, stress, condemnation, shame, ashamed, feelings of guilt, those are all the consequences. And when we're feeling the consequences of sin, think about it, when you're feeling bad about yourself, when you're feeling low self-esteem, what do you do? You go shopping, you enjoy this, you binge here, you indulge there, you make excuses this way and that way. All because you're feeling guilty about yourself. Eating a little bit too much or shopping a little bit too much is not sin. No, that's the consequences of your sin. And your sin was actually selfishly inserting yourself in the divine equation and stepping away from the goodness of God. And when we step away from the goodness of God, we have all these things called shame and condemnation come over us and we go out and we do stupid things. You see... Man is so predictable that Satan knew how to play us. And play us he did. He just dropped in the thought process that maybe, just maybe, the fruit of knowing of the, the knowledge of good and evil, maybe that would make us like God. And he made us insert ourselves in the place of God in the divine equation, which usually resulted in goodness, but this time resulted in mayhem he spread a disease into us that started in heaven not in Eden it started in heaven where he was worshiping God everything was good but as soon as he inserted himself into the worship he became he moved from being Lucifer to Satan it transformed his whole personality his whole approach everything changed in him he became this bitter and twisted person that was thrown out of the presence of God he removed himself he 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 tried to get dissent and rebellion and he was gossiping about Michael the archangel and Jesus Christ and he was turning man against himself and and he was he was slandering and and all of a sudden all of these negative things came into the world because he had placed himself between 
the goodness of God, his desires. He hadn't put God there. He'd put himself there. And so he came to Eden and he realized, hey, he can get Adam and Eve to follow him. He's thinking his way. So he sidled up to Eve. He began gossiping and slandering. He began questioning and reasoning. He began saying, hey, I've been enlightened by participating in this process of knowing of the goodness and, and the badness of this world. I'm an enlightened being. Look, I'm even a snake that can talk to you. Look at how enlightened I am. Look at how, how, how progressive my thinking is. And he said, well, join me, become part of this revolution of being like God and knowing goodness and bad. And all he was doing was introducing this concept of selfishness where I get to decide what's wrong and right instead of just enjoying goodness with God. And wow, did he mess us up. And so today, realize that we are just a product of our obedience. You see, as soon as we insert ourselves into this divine equation, we immediately become disobedient. As soon as we distance ourselves, disobedience, distance, as soon as we distance ourselves from that goodness because of our own selfish desire to adjudicate what is wrong and right and what's best for ourselves, we begin distancing ourselves from God. Now that doesn't mean to say that we're all supposed to walk around like, like zombies and just obey, obey, obey. No, God wants us to reason. He wanted Adam and Eve to decide on the names of the animals. He wanted us to reason. He's given us reason to mix with His grace and love to come up with obedience. Not be obedient so that we could reason our way to His grace and His love. He wants us to blend the goodness of who He is with the wonder of who He's made us to be in this wonderful worship expression in goodness of life and not stressed out about this good and evil tussle in our lives. That's what He wants for us. That's what He desires for us. He doesn't want us just to be walking around blindly obeying Him. No, but He wants, to bring, he wants us to bring those decisions into that proximity not run away towards our own selfishness with them. So if you're wrestling with something right now, like an addiction, He wants you to take your journey to freedom from that addiction to Him. He doesn't want you to run into your own abilities and your own strengths to overcome that, tradition, that, that, that addiction. He wants you to run towards Him with that addiction so that He can help you in a space of goodness Put down those decisions, put down that shame, put down that guilt, put down that condemnation that might be driving you towards hiding behind an addiction instead of hiding in His goodness. Maybe you're wrestling with sexuality right now. And I'm not here to stand in condemnation of where you are with your gender and your expression of your gender. But please, take that decision-making process to God. That's why I can't get behind the gay pride movement. Because, hey, the word pride is in contradiction to humbling myself before God. I'm not talking about just blindly obeying a set of religious laws about your, your situation or about your decision-making process or about your lifestyle. I'm just asking you, hey, take that decision to the Word of God and shape a decision based on His presence and His proximity to your life because it's going to mean an abundant life for you whatever you decide if you could just take those decisions whether it's a sin that's crept into your life 
that's, or a, a condition of sin or a consequence of sin that's crept into your life, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a habit, whether it's a massive decision as regards your lifestyle based on your gender, let's as a humankind society just get back to the goodness of taking decisions based on a life that God has designed us to have, not on a tree that creates wrestling and stress and tension. Oh, but I've got a right to decide what I express my life, how I express my life. Yes, you do. You do have that right. But you know what? Sometimes rights are best not exercised because there's great benefit in not exercising that right and giving that right to God to tell you how to best live out your life. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by pride because you know what? Humility is always better in the presence of God. As soon as we bring pride to this spirituality, gender decision, life decision, whatever decision you're making, as soon as we bring ourselves to it, human history proves that we really mess it up. Because we get into this discussion of what's wrong and what's right. What's right for you is wrong for me. So I have a right to be, you know what, we have all the right in the world to be different. But in a bubble of the goodness of God, in the wonder of the blessings of God, we can be expressing ourselves in multiple ways as long as we do that through the Word of God and through Jesus Christ in our lives. That brings the life. That brings what it's about. Jesus Christ didn't come to give you all the rules to make you feel bad about who you are and say, oh, the church is against me. I can't be loved. I'm not loved. Push Jesus away because that's what it means. No, Jesus came to introduce you to a God who wants to journey with you through decision-making processes. Even if sometimes we make the wrong decision, it, we can never make a bad decision if we make it with God. We can never make a sinful decision if we genuinely make it with God, He will never guide you towards that angst, that, that anxiety and stress. He will never guide you towards that. He will always guide you towards the tree that means life and the fruit in your life that shows that you have a life. Hey, I hope my ramblings, I didn't even stick to my notes today. I'm so sorry if you've been trying to follow along with the notes and they don't quite line up with what I've been speaking. I just really want this time to be a time of, of just being able to share some thoughts. They might be radical. They might be out there. Hey, you might even have objected to some of these thoughts. Please, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody, any group. I just want to really desire that no matter who you are, you press back into who God really is. Not your experience of religion or church or some judgmental freak that live next door. No, get back to God. Get back to God through Jesus Christ. Take whatever decisions you need to make about your life with Him as opposed to being apart from Him. And in selfishness, belligerence, and desperation, taking decisions based on stress or taking decisions based on desire, rather take decisions based on the goodness of God. It's a much better place to make decisions and make life-altering trajectory choices. So, today, as you begin to understand that your choices matter, your choices either are made without God or with God. It's not about making a choice of wrong or right. It's about making choices in the proximity of God. That's what matters. As soon as we start making decisions removed from God, we are actually sinning. And that does cause us a whole lot of stress and anxiety, which eventually leads to dying inside. 
I hope today that you've been blessed by, by what we've shared. If you have any comments, if you have any thoughts, please feel free to just share with me on, on Facebook. Share with me on whatever you're doing. We love you and we can't wait to see you here online again very soon. Thank you so very much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online. Be blessed.